Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other, and our city. Catch up on this week's message and more. How's everybody doing? Are we okay post-summer? Although technically it's still summer, right? It's three more weeks of summer. Yeah, although, my, you know, my daughter who's here uh, likes autumn. So it's autumn for you, isn't it? So anyway. Uh, the sun's out, kids are going back to school. That's what we do know, right? Every year that formula happens, rains all August, sunshine, as soon as the kids go back to school. Um, so, yeah, my name's Neil, and uh, I'm married to Sarah. I've got three kids who you've seen around, Josh, Bethany, and Zach, and uh, it's my privilege to be part of the leadership team um, here at Vine Life, and um, to share with you this morning as we um, embark on a new term, a new... It always feels like a new time of the year, doesn't it, September? If you've got kids, it probably... If you don't have kids, it probably doesn't feel like a new time of year, but it does for me. Um, but it feels like we're starting off on a new season, certainly. Uh, and as part of that, we wanted to mark the start of a new season with a week of prayer and fasting. Um, and uh, to position and posture ourselves, I guess, in a place of humility and in a place of reliance on Jesus um, is one of the reasons and many reasons why uh, we would do that. Um, so I was thinking, about what am I going to talk about this morning? Uh, to kind of launch that in in some kind of way or uh, just to focus our mind on that. And um, I was in um, one of our summer uh, prayer, uh, evening prayer sessions down at the MHOP building the other week, uh, and I just was having a random thought about gravity and the like natural laws of this world. I was like, why am I thinking about this? Am I just being distracted or is the Lord talking to me? And as, as I was processing that, I was reminded, really, of our experience, uh, really, of living in a material, physical world. We talk a lot about the laws of gravity or the laws of physics or, you know, how the world works and all those wonderful things that we probably know way well. Not me personally. I'm not a scientist. But lots of people uh, know a lot more about than maybe we've ever done in human history. But I felt that challenge from the Lord to say... What about the spiritual laws that we're supposed to live by and the spiritual realm that the Bible very clearly and Jesus really demonstrates is as important, if not more important, than the physical world that we live in? Um, so that thought process started off. And, um, and then we was, I was thinking about the week of prayer and fasting and reasons why we do that. And I thought, oh, we're actually enacting a spiritual practice, a spiritual principle, or even a spiritual law in doing a week of prayer and fasting. Um, so I brought a little prop, which almost got stolen by my son because he spotted it under my chair um, earlier on when the game changes were in. Um, and we, we know that if, if I let go of this, it's going to fall to the ground, right? It's not going to float away into the atmosphere because we all understand the law of gravity now, don't we? Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm going to do it, prove it's not full of helium or whatever. It's not a trick ball. But we all expected that, didn't we? That is not a shock to anybody in the room. So I was just thinking about that. And so there are many things in um, Scripture and in our, what should be and could be, and Jesus calls us to be the normal Christian life, where certain things happen in the Spirit. We do certain things, sorry, and we expect a certain outcome. It doesn't always work like that, I know, because life is what life is like. Um, but that was the challenge I felt um, for me personally, and I think for us as a community to think about, 
what are the things that we should expect to happen in the spirit because we're walking with Jesus that the Bible tells us to do maybe or maybe a truth the Bible tells us to believe or an action the Bible might tell us to, to do um, and how Jesus modeled that to us. So there are lots of them and um, I, we could be here all day, let's be honest, with lots of different things, you know, things like there's power in life and death in the tongue. It's really important what you say and what you don't say. Or maybe honoring your father and mother and then things will go well with you. There's another one. Um, and so on and so forth. So I'm going to pull out just a, a couple of examples for us to think about, things that are probably very pertinent to us as a community, but also then just want to dive in a little bit deeper and think about this week of prayer and fasting and what we're actually doing when we're praying and fasting. So the first one I, I thought about was healing. Healing is, you know, it's a big part of what we believe as a church, that you, God can heal you right here, right now, today, of your illness and your sickness. But we also know that not every time that happens and we live in attention don't we of that so there are things the bible asks us to do so in james 5 um, verses 14 to 16 it says are any of you sick you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you anointing you with oil in the name of the lord such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the lord will make you well and if you committed any sins you will be forgiven Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So there's some specific things that are, that are linked, if you like, to healing. So clearly, you know, the command here is if you are sick, then get some elders from your church um, and to pray for you, but get them to anoint you with oil. Do something specific and see what the Lord does. Maybe you want to get healed of something and you know there's some stuff in your life that maybe isn't really what the Lord's asking you to do. So again, the command here is confess those things, confess your sins and you will be healed. And I don't know about you, but I often skip over the first part of that uh, sentence and think, oh, I'll just be healed. Somebody will pray for me and be healed. But hey, maybe I need to confess something to somebody. So there's some things like my little ball here that if you drop it, that happens. Maybe there's some things that we need to do that will help in our journey of healing. Now, there is a warning to this, from well, my warning anyway. It's not a formula. This is not a religious practice. These things are about relationship with Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. Because again, whilst these are good things to do, they're biblical things that we should do, and if we're going to do biblical things, I believe we'll get biblical results. They're not, it's not formal because Jesus didn't always do the same things, did he? He spat in people's eyes, for example. Don't know whether we all do that. Don't know. He um, commanded people to do things they couldn't do or to act out in faith the, the healing that he was praying over them. So he did different things. But there are some things, I think, within our um, experience within experience with scripture that you do one thing in the spirit then expect this kind of result so that's healing is just an example just you know a little nugget of a thought process that i was having around that a second example i thought of was forgiveness forgiveness is key isn't it in our walk with the lord and in uh, our lives in health and wholeness 
And you know what? All these things that I'm talking about today, we're talking about, um, as Christians, how we want to curate our internal world. This is not following rules and regulations. This is about health and wholeness inside of us when we live spirit first, not of this world. So with forgiveness, this is a deeply spiritual thing, a deeply, I believe, supernatural thing, because it's really difficult to do this without God's help. So in Matthew 6, Jesus is, uh, you will know this scripture, I'm sure, very well, verses 14 to 16, he says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Very clear. We have to forgive, otherwise we won't be forgiven. Stark, isn't it? Um, Luke 6, he goes on to say, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. And then Paul says it again in Colossians. He says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It's a really clear spiritual principle, this one, isn't it? It's a tough one. I'm not saying it's easy, but we must forgive in order for us, just as we have, sorry, been forgiven. I believe one of the aspects of this is it's a posture of humility, isn't it? Towards the Lord and towards others. And it sets us, it's actually good for us. It's really difficult um, especially when you've been wronged or been really deeply hurt, wounded, um, some, some things that are almost unspeakable maybe that some, somebody's done towards you. But to forgive them sets you free. It's countercultural. It's showing that we rely on the Lord for justice. And it's not us. It's him. And it's, what I'm really clear on when we talk about forgiveness is it's not condoning others' actions. Um, you know, we're not saying that person is okay, what they've done. Absolutely not. But what they've done that's wrong, we give it to Jesus and we forgive them. Um, and sometimes it might mean, will it mean there's reconciliation? Maybe not. Um, but it, what it does mean is that everything that we've been owed by that person, we give that debt. To Jesus. It's almost like a transaction, I suppose. Because again, it's the main reason when Jesus went to the cross, so that we can be forgiven and then we can forgive others. It's an incredible truth. It's, yeah, and we could do weeks and weeks of teaching on that. But again, just that little spiritual principle living spirit first means this is something we need to do. We need to forgive others in order to receive that forgiveness. And then there's prayer and fasting. Um, why, why do we do it? Why have we said, let's, let's chart out on this journey. It's the third time we've done that, I think, isn't it? Third time we've done it as a church community in a fairly short space of time. Um, but we feel it's really important uh, that we do that. Um, but we don't want it, I, you know, we don't want it to be a religious exercise. Oh, we put it in the diary. We're going to do it. And we're going to jump through a hoop and I think even, you know, we're going to twist God's arm or something just to get what we want. No, that's not what it's about. So why, why do it? Well, we can see throughout Scripture that, and particularly in the life of Israel, in the Old Testament, fasting was a norm. It was a normal way 
of life, a normal spiritual practice, a normal something that you would do um, in and of your life following the Lord. Um, we see it in different examples. So when there was a big decision to be made, they would spend time in prayer and fasting. If there was to be a season of lament, you know, when they messed it up, which they often did, bless the Israelites, um, they would be prayer and fasting. Or when they needed to intercede, there would be um, prayer and fasting. You know, in Daniel, Daniel 9, it, it just says, so I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. Joel 2, this is a call to repentance. It says, this is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. So fasting was, is a normal, uh, and I don't know about you, it's not a normal for me. Uh, in uh, what we in 21st century Manchester, in my life, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see fasting as a norm in my life, and maybe I should do, and that's maybe what the Lord's challenging me about. And what we feel as a church community to be challenged about is to do this more often, but not for the sake of it, if that makes sense. So with Jesus, uh, we, we look at his life, and he's actually challenged for his lack of fasting, which I find absolutely fascinating, by the people around him. Um, so Mark 2 there's this discussion about fasting, uh, verses 18 to 22. It says, once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. So this is a fascinating moment. The religious elite, if you like, the Pharisees, um, and even... John's disciples, they were fasting. They were doing it. And so they came to Jesus and say, why, why aren't you and your disciples fasting? Um, and yet, you know, we know Jesus did a 40-day miraculous fast. Um, so, you know, he's got, he's got traction in this area, if you like, but he's being pointed out. And of course, we know that he's saying, there's no need to fast while I'm here. I'm right with you. That's the celebration. We're not going to fast while we're celebrating. But there is a day coming when you will fast because I'm not going to be around. Um, so that norm, that society norm, that religious norm um, about fasting again, we see it again. It's normal. But I think the thing that Jesus is pointing out here is it's going to look different. The new wineskins, as he talks about going forward. And the Pharisees and the disciples were doing fasting out of their religious duty, maybe in their religious calendar, in their set times. And Jesus is saying, that's okay, but when I'm gone, I'm going to do something new. But fasting will be a part of it. And like I said earlier, you know, it's not about twisting God's arm or, you know, pester power or whatever it is. This is about relationship. Um, and elsewhere, Jesus makes stark warnings about fasting. Um, Matthew 6, he says, when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. 
For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. And then no one will notice that you are fasting, except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. So, everybody's got a wash this week. Is that okay? No smelly fasting. It's all right. Um, but the serious point is, you know, we're not, maybe don't tell everybody what you're doing. Maybe, maybe it's just between you and Jesus. Maybe you're going to give up food. Maybe you're going to give up social media. Maybe you're going to give up, I don't know, phone notifications, watching movies, whatever it is. But maybe we, you're going to keep that secret. I don't know. Jesus is pointing us to something different here, isn't it? The Pharisees were saying, hey, everybody, I'm fasting. Look how miserable I am. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. This is about you and your heavenly father. This is about intimacy. This is about the quiet space between your heart and God's heart. And are you taking down those barriers, which might be food or things that you find pleasure in in this world, and just saying, I'm coming to you, Jesus. And there's nobody else going to know about that. Um. So we're not doing this week to be a pious group of people and we're walking around miserable. Let's not do that. But we are doing this week in order to make a sacrifice. And for me, you know, uh, like I said, I'm not, I'm not an expert on fasting. I would probably class myself as quite weak at, at fasting. But it's about sacrificing that physical comfort in order to demonstrate that my fulfillment and my satisfaction is coming through Jesus and Jesus alone, through his Holy Spirit and in communion with the Father. And, you know, we live in, a, you know, a very affluent society. Most of us here are very comfortable, and that comfort comes from physical things. Um, and we have to acknowledge that, I think, uh, when we're thinking about fasting, and say, well, what are the things that the Lord is asking you to sacrifice and fast? And it's going to look different, everybody around the room, and you know, health conditions and other things and might restrict you in certain things you can and can't do. But I believe we've all got something the Lord might want us to put down this week in order to get closer to him. Um, and I don't mean closer as in you earn it. I mean, as in your attention, as in your um, fixation or gaze on Jesus. What is that thing that distracts you? And, why, and what does it look like to prioritize prayer in that moment? Um, if I'm not eating a meal, am I praying instead? If I'm not looking at my phone, am I praying instead? What does that look like for you? And I think, for me, that is, a, uh, again, another demonstration that this physical world is not my focus. The, the spiritual world, in particular, the spiritual world epitomized by the kingdom and Jesus is my focus. And we want to develop, I don't know about you, I want to develop that intimacy with Jesus. And for me, personally, I think sacrificing something that I find comforting makes me thankful for it. Um, so when I've skipped a, a meal, to then have that meal again at another time, I am way more thankful for that meal than I would have been if I'd just gone through my normal routine. And I think for me, it helps me, it focuses me to pray and to think about that. And my, maybe my hunger pains <laughs> prompt me to pray. I don't know. 
um, but it will look different for each one of us. But one thing I do know is I don't want to just do it for doing its sake and just to feel a bit hungry or whatever. Isaiah 58 contains a really sharp warning around fasting. Um, and it was a warning to the Israelites who, the context for this, but they were moaning that their prayers were not getting answered despite their prayer and fasting. Um, and the Lord rebukes them, saying their prayers were not answered because they were not being transformed by their fasting. It didn't result in any change. It was just a religious exercise. So we look at Isaiah 58. It says, Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrels and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for borrowing one's head like a, bow, sorry, bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen, to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free, and break every yoke? Is, not, is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth like the dawn. So if we fast and nothing changes in us, then is it pointless? I guess is the challenge from that. That actually, do we think about things differently as a result of our fast? Do we act upon maybe doing something um, differently in terms of justice or maybe how we spend our money or looking after the poor? Um, looking out for somebody who's lonely, maybe meeting a need in your family or in your neighborhood. If our fasting and our prayer doesn't lead us to justice, then I think the challenge there from the Lord is, what are you doing? Because I think the Lord's heart for justice, you get close to him, you're more impacted by it. The more you look at the world, the more you see injustice, the more you want to see change. And sometimes some of that change might be you get to pray more about that topic because you can't physically go to I don't know, Afghanistan, but you might want to have a heart to pray for that situation. And that's change. And there's loads more I could say about that. I've been listening to a great podcast, actually, um, which I'd highly recommend from Tyler um, Stanton, um, one of the guys who leads 24-7 prayer in the States. It's called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. Um, and I found it really helpful on this whole topic around prayer and transformation, and different ways you can pray, um, and just different perspectives on it. There's a book that goes with it that I need to read now, I think. The podcast has done its job. It sold the book to me, but anyway. Um, so they've explored many different ways to pray, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I hear, oh, we're going to spend a long time in prayer, and I think, oh, great. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Sometimes I feel like I'm just talking to myself or the ceiling or I've prayed for this thing to happen hundreds of times and nothing has changed. What am I doing here? Uh, anybody else have those kind of thoughts? Is it just me? Yeah, thank you for your honesty. Um, so this podcast was trying to kind of give you different tools, different ways of doing prayer that are not religious acts, and they, they explore all of that. Um, and they, they do make a good point. I think it's Pete Gregg, actually, who's on one of them, um, has made the point that a lot of the books that are written about prayer are written by extreme introverts uh, so the kind of paradigm is you're going to get in a really really quiet space and have nobody around and then you're going to pray for some people that might be 
like joy for other people. I know that can be terrifying. So they, they tackle all of that in the podcast. So they explore different ways to pray from silence to praying when you're running to locking yourself away in a prayer closet um, to even changing a baby's nappy being a deeply spiritual moment. Yes. Amen. Hey, parents. Um, so I'd encourage you uh, to maybe even tap into that this week if you're thinking, oh, am I going to do prayer and fasting all week? Maybe that's a great way uh, to do that. But one idea that stood out to me was the idea of paradise um, and, and heaven being paradise and the way Jesus talks about paradise um, and the way that we, you know, we're called to bring heaven to earth when we pray. It's Jesus' prayer, instruction, sorry, in his prayer. Um, and when Jesus is talking to the thief on the cross, he says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Which is clearly, you know, we can see that reference maybe to the Garden of Eden, to heaven. Um, and the idea that obviously that's outside of time because Eden was at the start of time. Heaven, you know, we will be at the end of time and, and everything between. And that idea that we can pray and lean into the idea of a garden of paradise when we're praying. I found that really helpful. Um, and if you, you know, maybe, maybe ask Jesus to show you what does paradise look like. Maybe he wants to give you a picture of a garden. Um, maybe you want to do like my Sarah and Susie and people do in Game Changers and early years do an adventure time with God and ask him to give you a picture. Maybe that will help you with your prayer. Maybe it's drawing. Maybe you need to draw while you pray. Maybe that will help you. Maybe it's walking. You know, Jesus did walk a lot and he often walked to go and pray in his in his own on his own space maybe that's something we can do this week beautiful weather kids are back at school sun's out maybe that's an opportunity for us to go and walk and pray and the other thing that um, that struck me in this uh listening to these podcasts is that studies show that the most important times of the day for your brain development are when you first wake up and the last thing you you think about before you go to sleep so the challenge maybe for us is if we're struggling maybe with our mental health or how we're doing, what are we focusing on in those moments in the day? Is it media? Is it Netflix? Is it the email that you just need to have a look at when you first get up in the morning? Or is it the Lord? And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to prescribe that. You know, I'm say you must do half an hour of, you know, your quiet time and all that. That's all good if that's for you. But for some of us, that might be hard. The children, every other responsibilities and the commute, whatever. But if it's the first thing, you know, I heard somebody say to me, first thing they ever did in the morning was say, good morning, Jesus, as they woke up. Maybe it's just as simple as that. And maybe at the end of the day, you say, good night, Jesus. I don't know. Other people do things like examine where they go through their day and, uh, and process with the Lord what, what's happened in the day. Where was he? What was he working on? What did he say during the day? What, when, when were you aware of Jesus? When were you not? When do you need to say, oh, thank you, Jesus? When do you need to say, sorry, Jesus? Maybe there's some things like that you can do at the end of your day. But those two uh, times in the day are really important. And I really, it challenged me to think about what, what do I think about when I get up? Um, and maybe that's something we can do that would really help us in this walk of living from the spirit realm first and not in the physical realm. And the other thing I just want to remind you of is in Revelation 5, we have this wonderful picture of our prayers. Um, it says this, And when um, he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, 
Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Isn't that a wonderful picture? So if you do have those moments where you feel like you've just been talking to the ceiling or the wall or yourself, and you don't know what's the effect of those prayers, I'd encourage you to think, everything I've just said has become incense in heaven and is now in the bowl that will be poured out at the end of time. Isn't that amazing? And nothing is lost. You might feel, it might be the way you feel, it might be even the reality of what you're praying about might feel like this is lost. But that promise is that everything will come to pass and your prayers are not lost in that wonderful picture of that bowl in heaven. You know, maybe, maybe you have been praying for somebody with cancer and you haven't seen the breakthrough, but in that person, but at the end of time, all cancer will be wiped out. Is that an idea where the bowl of heaven, of heaven's the prayers in heaven get tipped out and all cancer gets removed? I don't know. Maybe that's a, another thought uh, around your prayers and not lost um, this week. So let's posture ourselves again in that place of humility. I love where we landed in worship, Emma, that we are to rely on Jesus, right? And that's easy to say, but uh, let's be a, be a people that put it into practice. Um, these spiritual laws that we read about in the Bible, and there's loads of them, um, do biblical things, expect biblical results. Remember that we're filling that bowl of incense in heaven with our prayers. So let's partner with heaven, partner with paradise, and see what's the way forward for our church, for our city, for the people we know who don't yet know Jesus, for our young people, for our leaders, our politicians, you know, the list goes on. You know, we're framing this week around who God is to us and to the world. Um, God as provider, as faithful, as protector, as savior, as father. There's going to be devotionals every day that are going to focus our minds and our prayers around those topics. We're going to gather together on Zoom first thing in the morning, 6.30 or lunchtime at 12.30. And we're going to get together in person on Friday night uh, down at MHOP to pray together. Um, and then, you know, you might want to grab somebody else from Vine Life and get together and pray. Maybe you can't make those times, but let's be uh, intentional this week about doing that. I know and it, it, it's um, an interesting week because I think we were hoping to be telling you about a building sale and maybe some new buildings and some new ideas about where we go forward um, as a church community. And that hasn't happened. Um, so actually... We've got a, a pressing prayer point to say we need we need a breakthrough for us as a church community with our building sale um, and the, the blockage that is with the planning department and the highways department. Um, I won't go bore you with all those details, but we need a breakthrough. And I'm super aware that actually it's not just us that are affected by that. There's a whole new church plant coming into the city that's being affected by that talking to other churches who around us, who are similar to us, actually, who are struggling to find meeting spaces. You know, our good friends at the ramp have lost their Sunday morning meeting space. There is a battle going on for this. I don't know whether you know, noticed that. For church, for people to gather, God's people to gather and praise and worship and do this, preach the word. There's an enemy who doesn't want that to happen. So even what you've done this morning is a spiritual practice 
uh, and a principle that is changing the spiritual atmosphere in this city. Do you realize that? Be encouraged. Just the fact you got up, you decided you're going to come to church and you're going to worship Jesus together with other Christians is really important. And obviously that's being mirrored across the globe. Billions of people doing the same thing. But for us, for Vine Life, you know, this is, a, this is a tough moment in terms of our finances. So we would encourage you to keep praying for a breakthrough and for the city council who are not looking favorably on a church process, a church coming and blessing a community um, at this moment. But we're believing for change, right? We're believing that they will look favorably on this idea uh, to do that. So do join us in prayer. And 2 Corinthians 4 says this, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen, not on what is seen, sorry, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So all the things that we've been talking about this morning, those spiritual practices are the important things because they are going to last forever and ever. And then what do we want to see? Well, we want, I don't know about you, but I want to see revival, right? I want to see a church revived and a society reformed by the love of Jesus. There are so many broken people that I encounter every day who just need to know the love of Jesus and things would be so different for them. So our other, many reasons why we're doing the prayer and fasting is for that. 2 Chronicles 7, you'll know this, this is like a fridge magnet verse, isn't it? But if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Does that sound like a good enough motivation for us to see God come if we humble ourselves and if we pray? And I didn't know we were going to have the chairs like this, but I just feel like we should kneel down. Is that okay? Shall we posture ourselves in humility and pray from a place of kneeling down? If you're able to, obviously, and I know what my knees are like. So, Jesus, we acknowledge our need of you as individuals and as a church community. And, Lord, we we humble ourselves and we say we trust you. And as we embark on this week, Lord, we don't do it because it's in the diary or a religious act. We want to do this because we love you. And we want that intimacy with you to grow deeper. And I just want to pray for us as we make sacrifices this week, as we fast different things, whatever that looks like for us, that distraction would go and our fascination with you, Jesus, would grow. You are a jealous God. And you're jealous for our attention. You're jealous for our connection. And Lord, we know that's the best place for us to be. 
to be in that place of intimacy with you. So Lord, I pray that for us. And I pray, Lord, that you would honor your promises to heal our land. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you want to find out more, head to our website, findlife.co.uk, or follow us on Instagram. God bless and see you soon.